1: Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
2: It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis, riding solo today here for the next two hours, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You can find me on Twitter. At Adam Ronis on the gram at Aaron 88. And you can find all my work, scoutfantasysports.com, as the baseball season finally underway. Opening day is in the books, and it was a good one. Lots going on, so we'll break it down, recap it, see if we can figure out some things that occurred and what it means for the season going forward. Of course, there will be a lot of overreaction. There will be a lot of panic, but don't worry. It is a long season you got to remember, we'll have a day like this in July, and it won't be magnified as much. But don't even worry about the standings at this point. Uh, Really, health is the most important factor, playing time as well. And there are some situations where I think there could be some concern for playing time. So we'll address those today as well. I'll have Matt Modica from The Athletic joining me at 2.40 p.m. Eastern. And then I'll have Chris Rose from Scout TFS. He'll join me at 3.20 p.m. Eastern to look at the slate tonight. For MLB DFS, which is a little unique because we only have eight games on the slate. It's a Friday, and usually on Fridays, we have large slates. Every team is playing, but obviously with the season opening up on a Thursday, what they typically do, especially for the East Coast weather games, is they will give the teams off the day after opening day in case there's a weather issue and they need to postpone it. It'll open it up for the next day. Unfortunately, we didn't have any... Bad weather issues yesterday. I know there was the delay in the White Sox-Royals game, but they did wind up playing. Uh, wasn't, I didn't see it too cold in areas. It was fine here in New York. Not too warm, not too cold. We didn't see any snow like we did last year and in recent years. So generally a good day. So we'll recap a lot of that action. Of course, if you can't listen live or can only listen a portion of the show live, you can always check it out on demand anytime you want. Just go to podcast, search Scout Fantasy Sports. Hit subscribe. You'll be notified whenever a new show is uploaded and. You know, I think we did a tremendous job getting you through your draft on scoutfantasysports.com with our fantasy baseball draft kit. Hopefully, you were able to access my rankings, but it doesn't stop here. I mean, this is only the beginning. Now, we have to get through it because the draft is just one small piece of the puzzle. Now, there's managing your team, waiver wire pickups, making the uh, smart, right decisions on who to start and who to sit, uh, especially... If you're in the more shallow format, so well, you have more options, you're going to have to be real diligent and smart, and we can help you out. We're going to have a lot of content uh, to take you through the baseball season. Uh, I'll be doing a two-start article, stock watch, uh, re- recaps, uh, just general columns, whatever I feel comes to mind that I think it's an important topic. Sean Childs does a really good job with the waiver Wire article, uh, and he plays in a lot of high-stakes leagues. So if you're in the deeper format, it's going to be real crucial and it will help you out uh it'll do the scout scores as well the weekly rankings. so we got a ton of content to cover you and you can also ask your questions on the message boards in the forums anytime you want uh specific questions cater to your league we're there to answer we have our nfl free agency tracker off-season player movement so you could check that out with some uh, quick hits and analysis and of course we'll take you through nfl coverage there's dynasty coverage as well there's a Dynasty football, Hakeem Butler profile up there as well. Uh, DFS, we got you covered. Don't forget, you know, uh, NBA, you know, a lot of people are going to be switching over now to MLB, which is fine, uh, and play MLB DFS. There's money to be won in NBA DFS. Don't forget about it, because we had a sub last night. went over 14K in uh, NBA DFS. I think they put in, I don't know, it was like, uh, somewhere like 150 one hundred fifty, two hundred bucks won over fourteen K on DraftKings. And I retweeted that yesterday, so you could check it out, see for yourself. So don't forget. I mean, NBA. There is going to be a lot of guys sitting and these players that don't get much playing time now opening up, good value. So you can still win money in NBA DFS, and it's a good time. You know, we got a couple weeks left in the regular season. You know, obviously everybody's flocking over to MLB. They're excited. You know, season just started. Don't forget NBA too. You know, you might sneak in there and. Win some money. So we got you covered. ScoutDFS.com, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, uh, and VegasWhispers.com. The picks for tonight's games are up on the site if you are a member and you want to win some money. And you can check out the Twitter at VegasWhispers to see the results. They're very transparent. Let you know how they did. We all know there's going to be ups and downs. But let's take a look at some of the top stories that we took away from opening day yesterday. Chris Sale. I think some people are a little worried about him right now, talking about his performance yesterday, and he was not good at all. Three innings, six hits, seven runs, two walks, four strikeouts, and three home runs allowed against the Mariners. So, Sale was someone that we saw in a good portion of drafts go outside the first round. Then he started to creep up, and he might have went late first round in 15-team leagues as we got closer to the year, because if you remember, the Red Sox recently signed him to a contract extension the velocity was talked about quite a bit we know that there was a velocity dip yesterday he started off throwing hard early and then it started to decline but you have to remember a lot of pitchers early in the season just don't have their their top-notch velocity it takes some time for them to get going and with sale I think he only threw nine innings in the spring he barely threw so this is still essentially spring training for him so I think you do have to take that into account. Now, I'm not someone who drafted Chris Sell this year. i didn't to want to pay the price in the second round. Uh, and I had a couple of opportunities to take him, you know, on the turn, or early second round, and I, and I passed him. Not to say that I don't think he has a good year because I think he could. But, you know, there definitely were some concerns. And, you know, he's a guy that a lot of people talked about for a long time. They were worried about him holding up in his mechanics. And he's done a phenomenal job of staying healthy when you consider it. He's thrown. I mean, last year was the first time he didn't throw 174 innings in the season since 2012. I and mean, he was only through 158 and we shut down towards the end of last season and still had 237 strikeouts on 158 innings. So I think this is what the optimist was looking for. He had a 0.86 whip last year, 0.97 the year before. So there's no doubt when he's on the mound, he's one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball. We did see him give up a lot more flat balls, um, uh, Well, a little bit down the stretch, but he did get hit hard yesterday, and we're only dealing with a, a small sample here. And I know everyone's looking at his average fastball velocity of 92.2, and last year it was 94.7, but it's early in the year. So I don't think you could p- panic too much yet. Is there somewhat concern? Yes, but not a lot. I It's one start. You know, even the best pitchers have a start or two like this. Maybe, maybe two to four during a season. I know, I don't even think we saw Jacob Degrom with a start like this last year. But it's an outlier. And Jacob Degrom gave up only ten home runs last year, the entire year. But even Max Scherzer has some down outings where he'll give up four home runs. So I'm not worried about it yet. And it might take him a couple weeks to really get going. Especially yesterday, since he didn't throw a lot of pitches, so I'm really not that concerned at this point. And you know, I gotta think that the Red Sox did their diligence here and feel like he's healthy to sign him to that contract extension when they did, because they really didn't have to at this point. So let's see if that uh, continues. Uh, One of the bright spots yesterday for me was Luis Castillo. You know, I think he was a guy that you know was going anywhere from around 8 to 10 in early drafts, and I took him. Uh, I took him in Tout Wars as my second starting pitcher. I took him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. I think he was my SP2 there as well. He had a really good second half, especially the last couple months, Uh, and I know we kind of saw that in 2017 in a small sample, and it caused people to push him up last year and overall last year you could say he was a disappointment when you look at the final numbers because when you drafted him you didn't draft him for a 4-3-0 ERA and we did see the strikeout rate dip a little bit but the walk rate did go down and the whip was too high but he really put it together and to me the most encouraging thing about yesterday was the velocity because that was one of the things that people were worried about in the spring Castillo's velocity on his fastball was down and he came out yesterday and You know, I saw a good portion of it. I was obviously flipping through a lot of games once the Mets game ended and we were on the air here. And I saw, you know, 95-96 with the fastball, touch 97. He also threw out a lot of change-ups, which is one of his most effective pitches. And he was good. Five and two-thirds, one run, eight Ks, two hits, and three walks. So good performance from Castillo there. I think maybe some people started to back off because of the spring. Um and uh, I expect him to have a good season. So that was a good start. Now, the one thing that stood out there for the Reds is the bullpen. And Rosselli Iglesias is someone who I don't have at all this year. I was a little concerned with him. Uh, last year, he wasn't great. He wasn't dominant. And there was also talk about using him in that multiple inning role where he was not guaranteed to get every single save. Now, they came in. And brought him into the game yesterday in the eighth inning. So when you see him go in, you go, okay, now maybe they're going to get him a two-inning save. Well, he didn't pitch well enough to get that. He only lasted an inning and a third. Allowed one hit, a run, two walks, a strikeout. And allowed a home run in this game to Corey Dickerson. And he had 34 pitches thrown, 18 for strikes. So they took him out uh, in the, uh, as he you know came went into the ninth to start it. Uh, Amir Garrett came in. He got a strikeout. Then they took him out, brought in David Hernandez, who issued a walk, and then had a long at bat against Corey Dickerson, who kept fouling off pitch after pitch after pitch, and then finally retired him. One, needed 16 pitches to get one out. He got the save. So I don't think that Hernandez is the closer, but this is a case where they could mix and match here. Maybe they bring in Iglesias in the seventh at times. Uh, we'll see if they back off, but it's definitely something worth monitoring. I think a lot of people are going to rush out to pick up David Hernandez. You know, Hughes was a guy we saw last year get some saves, but they used him in the sixth inning here. When they took Castillo out, he promptly gave up the lead and allowed two hits. So I think this is a situation worth monitoring, but uh, I was not high on Iglesias going into the season to begin with. I just feel like there might be that scenario where they do use him a little bit earlier in high leverage situations, maybe to get out of some jams. But my guess is they were probably trying to get him to get a six-out save, and it just did not work out. So, yeah, you want to take a flyer on Hernandez for cheap? Okay. Not a lot uh, if you're really hurting for saves. There are leagues where I'm really hurting for saves, where I might have just gotten one closer. Actually, I'm in one league, 15 team. I have no closers because I had Archie Bradley as a guy that I – Drafted, and obviously, he is not the closer for now. The other closer situation that was a little eye raising it's not eye raising, but was the twins because we knew going into the year, Rocco Baldelli stated that he was not going to name a set closer. The most people in drafts, for the most part, Trevor May was the first guy taken off the board. Then you saw Blake Parker, Taylor Rogers was not drafted in a lot of leagues. I haven't looked at his ownership percentage, but just off the top of memory, I didn't really see Taylor Rogers go in many leagues. Now he's left-handed, so maybe that was part of the factor there, where some people, you know, know ah, managers don't like to use left-handed pitchers as a closer. But Rogers was really good last year. Uh, sixty-eight in a third innings, he had a two-six-three ERA. Uh, doesn't give up home runs. He allowed three home runs in sixty-eight in a third innings. Only allowed forty-nine hits. And had a 28.9% strikeout percentage and a 6.2% walk rate, 0.95 whip. They brought in Rogers yesterday to place in place of Jose Barrios, who was outstanding. Seven and two-thirds scoreless innings to its 10Ks. And I know it's the Indians lineup, but Barrios is someone I'm heavily invested in this year. I have him in quite a few leagues. So uh it was good to see him go out there and dominate. Obviously, Indians are just a terrible team, but Barrios certainly capable of uh, putting up a big year and he did it last year before struggling a little bit down the stretch but they took out Barrios in the eighth inning brought in Taylor Rogers. now part of it could have been because there were some lefties due up I know that was a couple pinch hitters so he didn't get to face the lefties Uh, Leonis Martin was up there as well Jose Ramirez but either way uh, it's a telltale sign at least for day one now If you're in first come first serve, sure. You probably already picked them up or someone did. If you're running fab this weekend on Sunday night, we still have a couple days to see how this pans out. And I think what you're going to want to see is, okay, if the Twins have a save opportunity over the weekend, who's going to get the call? Because I wouldn't be surprised if maybe three riders would do up. Maybe they go to Trevor May. Maybe they go to Blake Parker. Uh, Rocco Waddell said he's not going to name a closer. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that if someone is getting the job done early, that they don't stick with him. So it's going to be very interesting over the weekend to see how the Twins utilize this bullpen. And the unfortunate part is we might not see them get another save opportunity over the weekend. So... I think people are going to throw a ton of money at Taylor Rodgers. I would not at this point. Now, I could change my mind on Sunday night. You know, if Rodgers gets another save opportunity on Saturday and then another Sunday, yeah, then I guess, okay, look, he got the job done. There's no reason to deviate from that. But you got to be careful with these closer situations because this happens, and people are going to make the mistake if he's not named the closer or if he doesn't get a save opportunity over the weekend – Some people are going to spend a ton of money that are desperate for saves. you got to be careful. Uh, If you're going to spend that 25% of your budget this early, you know, or 30%, you're going to want to make sure that that guy has the gig. And I don't know if we can say that with Rogers yet. He was impressive and he might have. I still think Trevor may has good stuff, but Rogers is good. It's just, are they going to go with a left-handed pitcher uh, consistently? But We see this often sometimes. Guy gets the first opportunity. We know how volatile the position could be. You know, if I'm the manager and I bring him in for a four-out save, I'm probably giving him the next shot. Now, if he's coming up in an inning with three right-handed bats, then it's a different story. You're probably not going to go to him in that situation. So that is one of the big things to watch this weekend for the Twins is to see what they do with that closer spot because people are getting ready to roll out the big dollars in Fab for that next hot closer, and uh, we'll see if it is indeed Rogers. When we return, we'll continue to recap some of the things of note from opening day. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. DailyRoto.com make it rain a college uh, student who makes uh, $1,700 a month selling her used underwear online and then she makes another 500 a month where she lets dudes sniff her armpits so she's racking in about 22 2300 bucks a month just from uh, just doing a little hole here's my uh, used underwear online you got a market for it and you got people willing to pay $1,700 a month god bless you weekdays 6 to 9 a.m eastern on the fantasy sports network and on your popular podcast providers Back here it is. Scout Fantasy Sports. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll have uh, Matt Bodica coming up in the next segment. He's from The Athletic. And then we'll have Chris Rose, Scout DFS, coming up at 3.20 p.m. Eastern to get you set for the DFS slate tonight. Eight games on the slate uh, some news here on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He's expected to play in games and extended spring training this weekend. So they said he's, quote, on an accelerated time frame. So I think Guerrero will be back relatively quickly, mid-April, late April. But as I said at the time, if you were on Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I didn't think you had downgrade him that much. I might have moved him down in the rankings or spot or two. I don't have him anywhere. There was probably one or two opportunities where I could have had him, but I decided not to. And, you know, that could prove to be wrong. You know, I think he'll come up and he'll definitely hit for average, decent power. Again, this Blue Jays lineup is pretty bad. So that's uh, my concern is the counting stats. But I think we're all hoping to see him soon because uh, definitely an exciting player to watch. And I think uh, people just want to see him up and I wonder if there's a little pressure on them now to not delay it because uh, Fernando Tatis up, Eloy Jimenez up. So hopefully we get to see Vlad soon because I think everyone would like to see him, especially those who have him on their fantasy teams. Uh, Let's take a look at some of the other highlights from yesterday. So we don't know really who the closer is for the Brewers right now. We know that Josh Hader is going to get some save opportunities. But yesterday, it worked out very well for the Brewers, where they got five and a third from Shashin. He got the win. Easy, went five and a third, three hits, three runs, two walks, seven Ks. They did allow two home runs, but he also homered as well. Junior Guerra went an inning at two thirds, and then it made it easy to bring in Josh Hader for the eighth. He made it look easy, striking out the side, and in the ninth. He did get the save, retired all 6 but it was definitely adventurous. I'm sure you guys have all seen it by now. If you haven't, you could check out the highlight. Jose Martinez pinch-hitting for Colton Wong, who already had two homers in the game, but they're going to bring in a righty against Tater. It's tough enough for anyone to hit him. And Jose Martinez hit a ball to deep right center. Lorenzo Kane leapt at the wall and made the catch. I think the ball was going out and... It ended the game. Hader gets the six-out save, striking out four. 21 pitches, 15 for strikes to get the save. Now, the thing is, the Brewers don't play today. So, what if they did play today? Uh, Actually, they do play today, I think, right? I think the Brewers do play because I was looking at some uh, DFS lineups earlier, and I did see Yellich in the player pool. So, yes, they do play today. Uh, Will they bring him back to get another uh, save today? My guess is no. But I'm interested to see it. I kind of hope they have the lead there. And I do have Freddie Peralta in a couple season leagues. So, yeah, I definitely do hope that they have the lead today. Yes, they do play at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern. Freddie Peralta against Jack Flaherty. So, uh, I think that's going to be interesting. I still think they probably want to use him in a multiple inning role. Which means I don't think he gets all the same opportunities. You hope as a hater owner that he is the guy. If he is, you guys got to steal. Because he would be the number one relief pitcher for fantasy. If we knew he was the closer, he'd be number one. And obviously, he did not go as the top reliever off the board. Uh, And I don't have any hater this year on my team. So, kind of hope that doesn't happen. Otherwise, uh, whoever does have him in the league gets a nice little advantage there. Jeremy Jeffers still dealing with that shoulder injury. My guess is when he returns, I think he gets most of the saves. We're still waiting to see about Corey Knavel... They said the news will drop today. He's got the partially torn UCL and is deciding whether he should go through rehab or Tommy John surgery. Uh, It doesn't sound good. I don't think he'll pitch this year would be my guess. Uh, The Craig Kimbrell rumors have died down. I mean, it was heating up about, what, five, six days ago where they said it was serious and it hasn't happened. So, that leads me to believe maybe Kimbrough goes somewhere else. Maybe the Brewers didn't want to pay him. He wanted too many years. I don't know, but the fact that he is not there now when the Knable and Jeffers injuries happen, it's a little bit surprising to me. So, My guess is that they don't want to use Hayter as the closer all the time because I'm sure there's going to be some situations, sixth, seventh inning, two men on, one out, where they go, this could be the critical point of the ballgame. We want Hater to come in because he has the ability to just miss bats, get those two outs, you get him another inning, maybe even two innings, you bridge the gap, and then you let someone else close out the ninth. And I think that's the role that they probably want him to be in as uh, he was so effective in that role last year. Miles Michaelis didn't have a great outing, but it was in Milwaukee against a good lineup. He allowed three home runs. I don't think you're going to typically see that a lot from him. Five innings, five hits, five runs, a walk, and three Ks. So I think he'll bounce back and be fine. We know he's not going to get a ton of strikeouts, but usually uh, we'll have a very low whip. Uh, Christian Yelich with a home run. you know, I think a lot of people were kind of pegging him for a huge regression, and you can understand that. I mean, he just went on a ridiculous home run surge. His home run to fly ball rate was high. I still liked him a lot. I took him number three in a draft. I just think he has like a real high floor, and you can make a case for so many of those guys he has three, as we kind of talked about. Quite a bit during the season, but definitely a guy that uh, I was fine with taking third because even if the power dips, say he only hits 25-26, I just think the floor is so high in the average department. He can get you steals. The counting stats will be good in that lineup, so just thought he was a very safe play there in the first round, even if the power dips. Uh, the Phillies, they beat the Braves 10-4. to 4. Aaron Nola wasn't sharp, but he did get the win. Six innings, two hits, a run, five walks, and eight Ks. Interesting note here is with the team leading in the ninth, 10-3, to they brought in David Robertson. Uh, actually, they were up 10-4 at the time. They brought in David Robertson. So is this the case of he's the closer? Uh, what Did they want to get him work? Because it was the first game, obviously a day off today. So I don't know how much we read into that. That is definitely one of the situations we are looking at. They did pick up Sir Anthony Dominguez in a couple of weeks. I think most people were drafting as if Robertson is the closer. And you never know with Gabe Kapler. So I don't think we got the answer there. But it should be. Actually, they brought him in in the eighth inning. And uh, he did give up a run. So, yeah, it was 10-3 at the time. He came in the eighth, gave up a run. So that is interesting. And, again, I don't know if that signals anything at all. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon homered in his first game for the Phillies. Mikel Franco did. Frankel is interesting. I mean, it hurts that he hits eighth for now. It is a very good lineup. I did get him in a couple leagues like late as a corner infielder uh, just because the lineup's so good. Uh, you know, he's not – I don't think there's big upside with him, but he could hit 25 home runs in this lineup in ballpark. But it's going to hurt if he consistently hits in front of the pitcher and bats eighth because there will be times where they don't have to really pitch uh, to him and they can pitch around him. Julio Tehran. The final line wasn't good, but I thought he was okay. And I'm not a Tehran fan, but the velocity was up a little bit. Five innings, four, three runs, two walks, seven Ks. I think that's the most intriguing thing there. And Ronald Acuna, I think a lot of people were a little concerned that he was hitting cleanup. And would that curtail the running game? It didn't here. He issued, he drew a leadoff walk in the second inning and then stole a base. So Acuna lineup to have a monster year, especially if he runs. and wouldn't it be surprising if you talk about uh, Acuna in the conversation as the number one overall pick next year? I mean, he was going 3-4 in some leagues this year, so maybe he is in that conversation for next season. Uh, the Tigers and Blue Jays yesterday, boring game. I mean, Jordan Zimmerman took a perfect game into the seventh inning. I mean, that's how pathetic this Blue Jays lineup is. I mean, he only threw 70 pitches through seven innings. He allowed one hit. No runs, no walks in 4Ks, and you're going to get the Jordan Zimmerman questions. Am I buying to him? No. He had outings like this last year. If you go look, he had a great strikeout-to-walk ratio, but he gave up a ton of home runs. This is not a good Blue Jays team. He went out there and performed well this game, but not buying Jordan Zimmerman in 15-team leagues. Uh, That's for sure. We saw Jimenez pitch the 8th. He was good. A walk and a strikeout. Look, I went down the Jimenez road last year. There was one league I picked him up three or four times because I kept saying, okay, Shane Green's going to lose the job. He's not that good. He's going to get traded. It never happened. Uh, It's certainly worth if you have a 15-team league and You know, a lot of the other relievers that you like better are taken. Maybe you want to stash him if you have the room. Again, it's very difficult to stash a lot of people, especially if you don't have DL spots. If you're in a league like the NFBC with seven reserve spots, you know, you might have drafted him. He might be your first cut this weekend. Shane Green did come in and get the save uh, in this game uh, in the 10th inning. Blue Jays scored, uh, Tigers scored two in the 10th. Green came back in the 10th and uh, a perfect inning, getting a strikeout, 13 pitches, nine for strikes. On the other side, Marcus Stroman, good line. The walks are a concern. He walked four in this game, and you're not going to get away with that against the Red Sox and the Yankees in the division. Against the Tigers, you can. Two hits allowed for Stroman, four walks, seven Ks. So 94 pitches, 53 for strikes. Ken Giles, who I liked a lot as a closer this year, uh, he struck out the side in the ninth inning in a scoreless game. I just think he needed to get out of Houston. They clearly didn't have any confidence in him. This guy can pitch, though. Yes, people have the image of him punching himself in the face, and you don't want to see that from your closer. But I think in Toronto, he will be just fine. Uh, And he was very good yesterday. The only runs in this game, Christian Stewart, a two-run homer. He is... An interesting player for deeper formats. I didn't get him in any league. He was definitely on my radar. I usually have a lot of my outfield late in drafts. I usually have those spots filled up pretty quickly. Uh, For some reason, it's not a plan. It just works out that a lot of the top players I like earlier in the outfield and then in the mid-rounds, there's always someone that I want. So I didn't really get any Christian Stewart. I do think he's interesting for 15-team leagues. It might not be a great average, but hit 60 yesterday in – uh, Nico Goodrum hit fifth, one for three with a run and a walk. He also attempted to steal, got caught stealing, definitely like him as well. Blue Jays' Brandon Drury hit leadoff, and they said he is going to be the guy. We'll see how long that sticks. Teoscar Hernandez batted third, went one for four. He was a guy that we weren't sure about playing time. So in a 15-team league, he's not a bad pickup. Rowdy Tellez was the DH. Remember, Kendry Morales just got traded. So Tellez, 0 for 2 with a walk and a K. He's someone to consider looking at in a 15-team league as a pickup as well. Uh, so, yeah, a couple pickups here from this game. I think uh, that you can take a look at uh, one. Pl- the player that I probably own the most this year is Domingo Santana. I thought he was criminally undervalued, and anyone who's listened to this show, read my work. I'm not saying this after the two games of Japan and yesterday. Truly believe that and. You know, I have him in a ton of leagues. Took him in Tout Wars in round 13. uh, Got him in a local GGD auction for only 6 bucks. I thought I was going to have to spend more. I wanted him in the NFBC auction. And you know how you kind of have that money and that slot, and you're like, okay, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to get this guy. You're kind of looking at all the other teams to see who has money left, who has an outfield spot. And uh, Andy Saxton, who – Uh, Plays in a lot of high stakes leagues, football and baseball, and get to see him, you know, probably like twice a year. He was in this, and I looked at his team. I said, Damn it, man. He had, I think, one outfielder at the time, and he had more money than myself and partner Brian Ambos. And I was like, Damn it, man. I don't know if we're going to get him. We didn't. I think we went to 10. He went 11. So you could see how his stock rose. And in that market, the price that he went for, I got him in my home auction league. I got him in the Serious XM host league. So, Very, very high on Domingo Santana this year. I think I had him ranked 35th in the outfield. So if you are a subscriber for ScoutFantasySports.com and you followed my rankings, you better have Domingo Santana on your team because I don't think he was not rated that high in a lot of rankings. So uh, he is off to a sizzling start. Another great game yesterday. Three for five, two runs, a homer, and four RBIs. And it really, to me, wasn't that difficult to see. And look, maybe he... Sucks the rest of the way. I could be wrong. But I said it before the year, and I truly feel this is a guy that can give you 30 homers, 15 stolen bases. He already has a steal. He just didn't get the opportunity to play last year. They brought in Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, and that squashed his opportunity to play. And I'm sure it had a mental effect on him. And you're playing part-time. You go in there, and you're not as good. Now he can relax. He knows he's got a job, and he can play every day. And you're seeing it so far. So a really good start for him. Uh, Don't see this as a fluke. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. made his debut and pretty good game for him. Two for three. One of them was a bunt single. He did get picked off, went down as a court stealing, but he was picked off and tagged about at second. But I like the aggressiveness. You know, he is going to run. There's been a big debate about Tatis and, you know, what to expect from him. And I was actually getting set to take him uh, in my final draft. The NFBC 12 team online league. I believe he went one or two picks before me. I can't remember what round it was, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that range. So I was just worried that everyone's going to get excited and overpay for him. But in those rounds, in looking at the roster I had, I felt, okay, I can take a shot here. I already had a shortstop. So he would have went down as my middle infielder. So we didn't really get a large sample because that occurred right towards the end of draft season. Uh, I can't imagine he's on the wave wire in many leagues because uh, – he was still going around 18, 19, 20 in a lot of drafts because people expected him to be up. And unfortunately, well, I guess I was prophetic in a way, so we do our preseason pro picks. My stash and cash, and I wrote this early March, was Fernando Tetis because I wrote in there, you know, this guy is crushing the minors and the Padres may be aggressive and bring him up earlier than we think. I did not expect him to be there opening day, so... Uh, for most of the preseason, actually all of it, all of the, when I wrote that, it was true. Uh, and and fortunately, or unfortunately, maybe you read it and you said, all right, you know what? I'll take a chance at Tatis. Hopefully you did, and you got him real cheap. And obviously in a lot of early drafts, he went very cheap. So hopefully you got him. Very impressive performance yesterday from another guy I think was very undervalued. I did a draft the other day. I couldn't believe how far he fell. Hinjin Ryu. And I understand that... He's not going to give you 160 innings. It's clear. This guy has had a lot of injury issues. But we are at the stage now in baseball where we're not getting a lot of guys throwing 180 anymore. It's just not happening, and especially on that Dodgers staff. But if you understand that and see the price, Ryu is really a good buy. And I have him in a few leagues in you know he was outstanding yesterday against the Diamondbacks. Six innings, four hits, uh, one run, no walks, eight strikeouts. So uh, we know Ryu is going to spend some time on the DL. May, hopefully not, but look at the innings pitched the last couple of years: eighty-two and th- eighty-two and a third last year, one twenty-six and two thirds in two thousand seventeen. Uh, barely pitched in two thousand sixteen, just four innings at the big league level, and nothing in two thousand fifteen. Um, and he had big workloads in 2013 and 2014. So, yeah, what do you want to pencil him in for? 120, 130. But they should be good innings. I mean, look what he did last year an 82 and a third inning. So, 1.97 ERA. So, uh, he was a 1.01 whip, 27.5% strikeout rate, and a 4.6% walk rate. Right? So, I don't expect those numbers, uh, but I think he'll be very, very good. he's on the mound and you know he's got a good array of pitches he's on a good team obviously the Dodgers lighting it up on opening day with eight home runs sending a record as the ball was jumping out of there but definitely like Ryu for this year and talked about a lot in the preseason so hopefully a lot of you guys have him as well when we return I'll be joined by Matt Bodica you can find him at the athletic and a lot of high stakes leagues we'll ask him about Madison Bumgarner big performance yesterday is this for real we'll find out next here on Scout Fantasy Sports Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs.
0: The morning after. Michigan is out. The gambler, the fan is dead. All right? The fan in me is dead. Uh, But the gambler in me is alive.
1: Go Heels! (laughs) This is what it comes down. Well, I've got a ticket at 14-1, to Joe, so that's who I'm pulling for now. North Carolina. Absolutely.
2: Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can check out all my work, scoutfantasysports.com, as we are here to guide you through the fantasy baseball season. So check us out today. But joining me now... Is Matt Modica from The Athletic. Matty Moe, what's up?
0: Hey, what's up, brothers? Baseball has begun, baby.
2: Yeah, man. Yesterday was just phenomenal getting to watch the Mets early on. We knew the Yankees were going to win, but, you know, watch a little bit of that. But DeGrom Scherzer, a great way to start off the day. Our Mets always do well on opening day, but nice to go into Washington and get a win and beat Scherzer and then watching baseball the rest of the day with uh, so many of our players on fantasy teams. Uh, it was just a great day to get back into that groove, and we realized how much we miss baseball.
0: Yeah, you really do realize how much you miss it once it begins and how great it is when the real games start. And, you know, I'm I'm excited, and I'm all good with people tweeting out like guys they drafted and guys they were in on. Look, you, nobody won anything yesterday. You have some fun. If you take yourself a little too serious, that's a problem.
2: Yeah, this is supposed to be fun. I mean, look, if you're touting your right on a player after day one, probably not the right thing to do. And I wouldn't want want to do it because it could come back to bite you, man. I just kind of let the season play out. But, yeah, when you draft a guy, especially late and he gets off to a good start, you're happy about it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, But, yeah, just some people do. They pat themselves on the back a little bit too much, and I think that's where maybe some people get angry because, you know, I try not to do that. I kind of let the results speak for themselves.
0: Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I know some people, like, look, if you drafted Chris Sale, it's understandably how you're feeling after last night. I Look, I didn't take any sale, but I still think he could be fine in the fact that he kind of had the same thing last year, not the same result as yesterday. but the But the velocity went up as uh, after the first month, and from May through July, he was 96, 97. Yeah, I'm with you on
2: sale, too. I talked about it earlier in the show. I didn't draft him anywhere this year either. It was really just kind of the price, and you know we were a little concerned early on. Then they gave him the contract. I think maybe that spurred him up the draft board for some people at Red Sox. Basically saying, "Hey, he's fine. We're we're not going to pay a guy that's not healthy." But he barely threw in the spring. I think he threw nine innings, so it's essentially still spring training for him.
0: Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't get to watch that game. I was in the car, I had it on the radio, and after the first inning, I was like, "Wow!" And then that second inning, you know, things after that, things just went wrong.
2: So I know you got all a ton of drafts in your book uh, I'm not sure if you compiled mm-hmm. it but who would you say are the one or two players that you own the most this year
0: uh yeah I did uh, put up my article today on my portfolio the guys I my foundation backs are Christian Yelich and bryce Hopper depending where I picked in the first round in the front end it's Yelich with a couple of trade parachets in the back end it's uh basically Bryce Hopper. I have a lot of Bryce Hopper. I still think, you know, he has that ceiling that many do not have. I understand, you know, the two forty batting average. But those would be my top two offensive guys. And on the pitching side, I did get a couple of uh Jacob DeGrom, but most of the time I didn't really uh draft the pitcher in the first round. I got DeGrom at in auctions. It was either Cole or Nola as my ace.
2: I have to think, though, that there's probably someone in the later rounds of draft that you got consistently. I kind of find that happens with me as well, where you go, there's just a player that maybe you like better than others, and maybe you push him up around round or two. Or is there someone late in draft that you have quite a bit of that you're high on for this year?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, guys I got in on. I got in on uh, three players, and spring training for pitchers is one thing that will really make me move some guys. And obviously, Chris Paddock. I mean, I pushed the guy up in New York. I took him 10-2. In Vegas, I took him 10-1. His teammate, Matt Strom, and I wanted to be involved in the Pablo Lopez business. So between the three of them, I have like 11 shares, with Paddock the most at five. And one player, uh, I usually always have Rick Porcello in my rotation, but uh, he got moved up this year, and a guy who won 100 picks later, or I was able to grab for $2 or less, was Kyle Gibson and I have seven? Sh- I have six shares of him.
2: Well, yeah, I've had Gibson every year. I might only have like <laughs> one this year, so you know, hopefully it works out. Except for the leagues in you're with and me. I think. Wait, we're in, we're in one league together, right? Just the NFBC auction, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, we're
0: in the NFBC auction, and that's where we fought over Jose ah, Barrios. And you got I, him, right? I got him. Look, I'm excited. That's my only share. Of course, I wound up getting Wheeler and Flaherty and missed out on him and say 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 Tyon, but the one thing I will stress is I think he can be really good this year. I said that in the preseason, but it was at home where he's been dominant the last two years, and it was versus that Cleveland Indians horrific lineup.
2: Oh no, no doubt. I mean, it's good to see. You <laughs> want him to take advantage of that. Oh well, yeah, but he does have a lot of ability, and he he didn't pitch well down the stretch, so it's maybe he. Fatigued a little bit. Who knows? But uh, I do have him in quite a few leagues. I was able to get him uh, in an NFPC online league, my final draft on Wednesday night, as my uh, second starting pitcher. But, yeah, I thought I had him in that league, and I went to check. I'm like, oh, no, he's not there. So you know how it is. When you play in so many leagues, you kind of forget where you have the guy. But at least a a few shares there with uh, Barrios. Uh, Madison Bumgarner, he's a guy that feels like a lot of people were down on. He really dropped down in drafts. Very impressive performance yesterday. Seven innings, two runs, nine strikeouts against the Padres. And Padres are an improved lineup. They do have some strikeouts in there. Uh, Is there anything that you saw that led you to believe, okay, maybe Bumgarner is going to be better than we thought? Or were you on the Bumgarner train? Did you draft anywhere? What were your thoughts on Bumgarner going in there and what you saw from him yesterday?
0: I think when I originally put my rankings out in late November, I had him 22nd, and he moved down to maybe 29th. The thirtieth, when I finished them up last week or so, last week or two, and I just never got him uh, in the range he was going. I was usually grabbing a relief pitcher. I mean, a uh, a closer. If I was getting involved at that point, it was usually like a Brad Hand type. But uh, one thing I did notice is the cutter usage was really up and stuff. So, look, he's a guy that knows how to pitch. He's one of the best competitors in the game. I was not gonna write him off. I did think he would regress a bit, but as I, I did say, like if he pitches to a three six five or a three eighty and gives you all those innings, that's still a really good pitcher. Look, it's a long season. It was the Padres, as you stated, that I'm swinging this in their game uh at Pet Gun. He does get protected by his home ballpark. So we'll see how it plays out.
2: Yeah, I didn't get him anywhere either. He's always a guy that I've loved. I mean, what he did Mm -hmm. in the postseason. Like you said, when you have that competitiveness, and he might realize it. He might say, you know what? I don't have the same stuff I used to, and I have to make adjustments, and I wouldn't be shocked if he did. I don't have him. Like you said, it's one game. I'm interested to see how this transpires the rest of the year because he did go – uh, pretty late for where we're accustomed to see Bumgarner going. So he's an interesting guy I want to see early in the year. The, speaking of the Padres, that outfield, I think it's been a big question mark for a lot of people in the preseason. Like, what's going to happen here? We knew Will Myers would play every day. I think they wanted him playing center. He just can't because that's the problem when you look at the Padres. The only guy that's really a decent center fielder is Manny Margot. And I think he's the guy they probably don't want to play. But he was in the lineup yesterday. Fran Reyes was in the lineup hitting cleanup. And Will Myers was in the lineup. So Hunter Renfro sat against the lefty. No Franchi Cordero. Uh, Renfro, I think his price started to drop as the drafts went along. As people maybe started to realize Mm -hmm. this could be a crowded outfield. But should Hunter Renfro owners be worried? Should they just see how it plays out over the weekend? Uh, what are your thoughts on the Padres' outfield going forward?
0: Well, I think it has to be somewhat concerning that, you know, left Lefty, Fran Mill got to start. He's another guy that's very talented. I put a, I put a who would you rather have a couple of months ago, Reyes or Renfro. I was really high on Renfro, but uh, he experienced, what, fatigue late in the spring training. And for him not to start yesterday, definitely be monitoring you know, how this weekend plays out. And at some point San Diego has to package say, maybe both the uh maybe some outfielders, maybe even trade a prospect like a Luis Joris, who's very good, and you get yourself that, you know, front end starter for this team. Because I think the Padres are are gonna make some noise. I'm not saying they're going to the postseason, but I think they'll be a lot better than people expected.
2: Talking to Matt Modica of the Athletic Uh, Zach Greinke did not have a good performance yesterday. We've kind of seen him have velocity issues early in the season. It was against the Dodgers where the ball just seemed to be flying out of there. Uh, Were you someone that liked Greinke this year? Did you avoid him? And should you take anything away from this performance on opening day?
0: Uh, I always liked Greinke, but I find myself the last couple of seasons never drafting Greinke. And I did think the ERA was going to pull back. I did think he'd be another guy in that 360 to 380 range. But I thought the innings would be there a good whip. But uh, the strikeouts, would you know, they took it that last year. And due to his volumes of innings, you get strikeouts. But it is a decreasing rate. And yesterday, I'm just going to chalk that up as as a bad outing. But, you know, he's 35. So at some point, it it, it ends for everybody. And that team concept is horrible.
2: Uh, I know you like Luis Castillo, as do I. I took him Mm -hmm. in a couple leagues, and I think there were some people who were concerned with the velocity in the spring. Good performance from him yesterday. What did you take away from that performance that has you encouraged?
0: Uh, I mean, what I took away from that is how he's changing the pitch pitch mix. I wrote that up in my uh, starting pitcher preview. You know, you saw in that second half, He did make changes. He decreased the fastball 10%. You know, the changeup and slider got used more. And yesterday, the changeup, once again, was heavily used. It's his best pitch. You want to see that. And uh, I don't believe he threw sinkers yesterday, which could be a good sign. They got a new pitching coach in there. Uh, He's a guy that I had in the preseason a lot when we went live. In auctions, I never really got him. Because I do spend on pitching, not as many people will spend as much as I do on pitching. I usually buy at least one ace or a high price two, or sometimes two aces. So I can't afford that $15 arm. But uh, we were—I was able to get him in our final main with uh, Chris Vaccaro. He fell to the ninth round, and we were more than happy to scoop him up as our number three.
2: Yeah, I wound up getting him a couple early, like the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, Tout Wars as well. Didn't get him as much late. Just uh, didn't work out, but I do think he could have a good season. It was encouraging to see the velocity on the fastball up. A lot of people are going to look to the waiver wire, and if he wasn't picked up uh, this past week, Tim Beckham, two home runs yesterday. He had one in Japan. We know this guy's pedigree, first-round pick. Do you think there's a potential uptick in his production this season, or is this just a hot start and, you know, he'll he's just what we thought he was before the year?
0: It's most likely a hot start, uh, but it depends on who your middle infielder is right now if you really punted the position. You know, he's going to play. He's going to get the at-bats. He's hot right now, and sometimes you just got to ride the hot hand. I got one share, and that was last Sunday night, for sure, allowed to bank the stats in the NFBC, and that was a free look on the Japan games. So I spent $59 on him in the league with Andy Saxton. So, you know, now I got, for week one, I had three home runs, and, you know, that was pretty good.
2: Yeah, it certainly was, and some people did do that, knowing they could bank some of those stats, take someone late <laughs> who got a steal or a win. Uh, that's the one Mm -hmm. thing you can do there with those Japan games. Uh, Rockies' second base battle, I mean, they never officially named anyone the starting second baseman. We saw Ryan McMahon in the starting lineup yesterday. Garrett Hampson was the guy who was going for more money and ahead of him in snake drafts. Can we take anything away from yesterday? Or do you think this is going to be a platoon? How do you think the Rockies employ the second base position? Because both those guys had great
0: springs. I think it may be for two. I if I have five or six shares combined of both players. Uh, but I, I think you really need, like, an Ian Desmond, Ian Desmond to really be horrible or get injured for this to open up. It's the Rockies. The Rockies do stupid things. and But both guys, I mean, but, you know, you really couldn't ask for better springs from either player. And hopefully they find a solution. If you drafted Hampson, there's no way I'm dropping him. He, to me, is a stash. That speed is too valuable. It will play. It will help you win at some point. You know, sometimes you got to be willing to hold a couple of guys. I mean, unless you're benching, you're really small. And I, I know the NFC, it's only seven players. And you say maybe that's a lot. It really isn't. But you've got to be taking pitchers in and out and two-start guys and left-handed, right-handed matchups for hitters hitter on the weekend. But sometimes you got to be willing to hold, hold certain guys.
2: Uh, The Twins yesterday, they get a save opportunity. They turn it over to Taylor Rogers, who gets a four-out save. I have to think he's available in quite a few leagues. Most of the leagues I've seen, it was Trevor May and Blake Parker being drafted. Uh, I know we have a couple days before Fab runs, and we'll see what the Twins do over the weekend. But uh, what's your thoughts on Taylor Rogers and how aggressive should people be in Fab this weekend if he's available?
0: I mean, I'm not going to go crazy, but I am interested, and I think – if you have a, uh, a Trevor May or a Blake uh, Parker, I know Parker was warming up, as you said, the left-handed matchups. But, you know, this is an arm that that will give you strikeouts and really good ratios. This is like, you know, uh, a young up-and-coming, looks like, a, like an Andrew Miller type kind of guy. And I don't know how many shades he's going to get, but he should have some opportunities and should provide you in other areas as well. So, I mean, I wouldn't go crazy, but if I owned a May or a Parker, I probably want to be involved.
2: Should Rossell Iglesias owners be concerned after yesterday when they brought him into the eighth and he could not finish the ninth?
0: Yeah, I, I would be. I mean, I, I know Jeff Erickson was the, was really on this early. He was hating, uh Rossell Iglesias. The guy I usually have on my teams had zero shares this year. I wasn't exactly sure how the Reds were going to use him. And uh, I did like the fact that Amir Garrett came in in the ninth. I mean, I'd love to see him get an opportunity. But if I had e- e- Iglesias, you know, I'm I'm a little worried. Nothing you can do. You're going to ride him right now. But you have to have some uh, concerns on the phone.
2: And by the way, Ryan McMahon is in the starting lineup once again today, playing second base uh, against the right-hander Trevor Richards. So uh, no Garrett Hampson once again. So we'll see how that plays out the rest of the weekend. But Matt, always good. <laughs> Always good talking to you. Let people know what you got coming out and currently on the athletic.
0: Yeah, today dropped my uh I believe Nando named it, my high stakes hangover. It's pretty much my portfolio. You can see the guys I got who I missed on and regretted missing on and stuff like that. So, you know, good luck to all. Baseball has begun. Thanks for having me, Ed.
2: Yeah, definitely good luck and hopefully you don't uh snipe me and fab this weekend in the league that we're in together. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right,
2: man. That is Matt Modica. You can find him at theathletic.com. Plays in a ton of high-stakes leagues and uh, knows his stuff. So make sure you give him a follow as well. We got a lot more coming up in the next hour. Chris Rose, Scout DFS. He'll join me at 3.20 p.m. Eastern to look at the Slate and DFS tonight. Eight games on the baseball schedule. We got a couple lineups and continue to monitor some of the things that stood out here on opening day to Scout Fantasy Sports and the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.